Hello? Hello? Hey. Oh, jeez. We have to be quiet. Why? I'm kidding. Okay. We're hunting that's rabbits. Gonna... Oh, okay. You're listening to the Astro Backyard Podcast. Capture the night sky. This episode of the Astro Backyard Podcast was brought to you by Starfield Optics. Check out starfieldoptics.com for the latest products. Hi everyone and welcome to the Astro Backyard Podcast. My name is Trevor Jones from astrobackyard.com. And I'm Steve Malia from Ontario Telescope and Accessories. How's everyone doing today? I assume that they said we're doing great, Steve. I, I would think so. I guess, you know, I hope so. It's, it's not an interactive uh, no. relationship you, we have where they get You don't really right get away. the back and forth like that. No. Maybe we should look into a call in show. What do you think? Uh, one step at a time. One step at a time. Yes. So it's a Saturday morning. It's 10 o'clock. It's, uh, we're at the beginning of August. I, I realize a lot of time has passed by since our last episode, and we apologize for that. It's been a busy summer to say the least, but uh, it certainly doesn't mean that we uh, have fallen off the astrophotography uh, train at all. It couldn't be more opposite, actually. We're, we're totally, uh, Steve, I know you're just going crazy, uh, very busy with uh, Ontario Telescope, and I've been imaging lots and uh, making YouTube videos, so it's been a great summer so far. Yeah, it's been very busy. Um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, cameras. Uh, have been uh, flying out the door. Um, there's some really cool, cool things happening as well. You know, some really cool events. There was a lunar eclipse just recently. Um, we couldn't see it where we are, but if you were on the other side of the world, you were um, given a really nice show with uh, what I've heard is the longest lunar eclipse this century so far. This or, century, yeah, it was like it over be... four hours. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Um, and uh, there's a Mars opposition as well which uh, uh, is, well, it's over now. It's past its opposition point, but still really bright in the sky. I was looking at it last night, uh, this bright red star. It's uh, amazing. Skating across the uh, um, the south to west uh, sky that I have from my backyard. It's, yeah, a lot, it's lots so of stuff bright. going on. It's so bright that that non-astronomy people are, I don't know about you, but a lot of people have been coming up to me because they know I'm into it. And they're like, what's that bright orange star? Like, is that a planet or something? I'm like, yep, that's Mars. They're like, wow, is it always that bright? I'm like, nope, not always, but it is now. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool but for sure. the topic for today's episode is going to be cameras, astrophotography cameras. It's a hot topic. There's never been so many options as there are right now. Um, so we have the, a little bit of experience here because I've used a number of cameras. Uh, those of you that know me, I started with a DSLR and I've kind of worked my way up to some of the, uh, the nicer astronomy cameras. And then Steve, of course, has sold a lot of these cameras and he's up on uh, the latest ones and the newest technology. So, uh, it should be an interesting episode talking about this stuff. Yeah, there's so many different options out there for, for cameras. Uh, they all have, uh, Features are already unique to them, and you know they'll give you different different views, right? The the size of the chip will help determine the the size of your object, like that you're actually going to be capturing. How or sorry, how much of your object you're going to be capturing? That's um, right. 
but just be, uh, th that shouldn't be a limitation to anyone um, if they have a camera with a smaller uh, sensor on it. Uh, there's still some really cool things you can do with it. Um, you know, just to oh, n name name a few off right, that we've have have some experience with. There's the Altair HyperCam, right? Um, yep. And using the 183 uh, sensor, it's a Sony sensor. It's backside illuminated. So it's very, very sensitive. Um, and and uh, you have the mono version. You had to color one before. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, what your thoughts on that have always been very positive. It's, it's really performed for you, hasn't it? The HyperCam 183C was a big pivotal point in my astrophotography because it was the first non-DSLR I'd ever used. And I was very... Uh, actually, that's not true. The 071 was first, but yes. I really didn't know what I was doing with that. But the, the 183C, I really uh, learned the ins and outs of that. And uh, so for the price point, I remember it was talked up when it first came out as the, the next step up from the DSLR, right? It's the obvious next step. Yep. And after using it for, I used it for an entire summer and more. It, that's very, very true. It's the difference... And I, was, I had this conversation with someone the other day. The, the best way to describe the difference is that I could shoot narrow band images in the middle of summer on a hot night. And they would actually turn out great if I shot enough of them and, and, and stacked them together. Right. I could remove that noise. That's just not possible with the DSLR. You can't take six-minute subs with an H-alpha filter in the middle of summer. Like That sensor is going to reach 40 degrees. Right, uh, and it's just going to be a noisy mess, like an unusable image. Yep. Where that wasn't the case with the 183C, you could go long, yep. and because of that fan and that open design, um, and that sensor designed for, uh, designed specifically for astrophotography. I mean, a DSLR wasn't; it's designed for daytime photography. Well, so. the, the sensor wasn't specific to astrophotography. The camera is. Right. right. Well, isn't that backside illumination? That's better for, for astrophotography, the right? Backside and illumination is better because it, the chip is a lot more sensitive, a lot more light get, gets to the through the pixel. Um, right. Uh, just to briefly explain the difference, a front side illuminated has a, um, a wire mesh that basically connects everything together uh, in f between the, um, the front of the sensor. Well, it's not between anything. It's at the front of the sensor. So right. There's a little bit of a blockage. Um, you know, if you were to Google backside illuminated sensors, there, there, there's a couple of really good pictures that pop up usually in the first results that uh, explain it. I backside see. illuminated, the... Uh, there's no that, mesh. There's no mesh, right? There's nothing to block it, so the light goes all the way through and um, uh, uh, hits the uh, hits the sensor uh, uh in its full capacity, so that, right. that, that's a big difference. That that attributes to a lot of the sensitivity of that camera and being able to take shorter exposures um, without having to worry about it heating up. And th and I think in general, that's just the beauty of CMOS. Anyways, uh, CMOS has come a long way, um, and I think is almost uh, um, leaped over CCD, especially from the amateur astronomy point of view because it, it's brought the cameras down on price so much um right. without really sacrificing uh the quality and adding some level of flexibility and and ease uh to it um so where these cameras have been used sorry these sensors have been used traditionally in machine vision or um security. other consumer electronic security yep. right, 
the sensors are being repurposed and uh, used by companies like uh, Altair Astro, ZWO, QHY to make an astronomy dedicated a dedicated astronomy camera, and we we get the benefits of it. So <laughs> that's right. It, it's always a uh, uh, it's always nice when um, uh, complementing industry um, can help help us out. That's that's right. And since we're at the the beginning stages of of dedicated astronomy cameras, I think we should just take a quick step back to DSLRs because I know a lot of you are shooting with DSLRs, and uh, I still do in certain situations, and I know you do too, Steve, with your Nikon. Uh, if you're doing some, if you're doing Milky Way photography or you know wide angle nightscapes, a DSLR is the way to go. Or if you're you know you're out traveling somewhere, you're not going to bring your computer or your your imaging software and everything. You're just going to have your DSLR and, le- and lens, or right. a small telescope. Yeah, and, and there, uh, there's a lot you can do with this with a DSLR. And, and it's lens. it's still the best. Like for an absolute beginner, you cannot go wrong with starting off with like an entry level DSLR because yeah. you really need to learn the ropes of uh, you know starting to take longer exposures. And of course, you can have you know use use different lenses and wide field stuff. So you can then apply those principles to astrophotography uh, forward when you do get those dedicated astronomy cameras that can shoot, you know, much longer exposures and they're, you know, when you need them to be uh, cooler and whatnot. That, that's right. And, and you can also take it a step further with a, a DSLR if you had one that you weren't going to use for day-to-day uh, use. You could modify it, much like what you did. You had it modified, had that front uh, filter removed from the sensor, yeah, the um, stock IR cut filter. Yeah, and then it becomes more uh, sensitive to the hydrogen alpha uh, range. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of questions about that, the difference it makes, and do I have to do that? The answer is no, you don't have to do that right away. I shot for probably three years before I modified my camera. It took many amazing images. Yep. The only thing you're missing out on mostly is when you're shooting like red, bright red emission nebulae, like North American nebula or California nebula. You're, you're only getting, you know, half the story, if that, like maybe 15%. As soon as you modify that camera and remove that cut filter that's actually blocking that the light that you want, all those um, all that nebulosity begins to appear. So uh, it's definitely worth doing. Um, there's professional services that do it. Uh, if you have an older camera, maybe you could watch a tutorial, do it yourself like I did. But I don't think I would touch uh, any of the newer cameras and try and open it up because um, <laughs> there's there's some room for error there. Yeah, it, it sensitive electronics, little small ribbon connectors. You really need to be careful. Um, yeah, we're talking toothpicks and magnifying glasses. Really tiny screws, specialized tiny tools. Tiny, yeah, yeah. Um, and then when you put it together and it doesn't work, you'd probably pay double what it would cost to get. The, have when a I modified mine, I I put everything back together. It took me four hours. Mm-hmm. I went to turn the power on. Nothing. I was like, um, this is my biggest nightmare. And then. It, I actually opened it back up, and it was one ribbon cable that wasn't totally plugged in. I pushed it in. I'm like, I knew it. That's that's what it was, and sure enough, it started up. Yeah. But <laughs> scary moment. I bet. I bet. So let's move on to uh, some of the uh, some more camera options that are that are out, and some of the newer ones, Steve. Yeah. So um, mentioned Altair. There's a ZWO, wildly popular um, cameras from ZWO. Um, yes. Th- I shoot with the ASI 1600 Mono Pro. Um, what a care. 
which is a camera that they have now. The pro versions are uh, have been out for uh, about nine, ten months. Um, okay, so a lot of the ones I'm seeing are, are not the non-pro models, and what's yeah. the difference between them? The difference being uh, the pro models have 256 megabytes of memory on board as a buffer, and Helpful. what that does, um, well, the, let's clear the air on that. All cameras have memory on them, so it's right. not like QHY and ZWO came up with something new. They just put more me- memory in there. Altair's actually, their cameras now have 4 gig. Um, all the memory really is doing is is allowing that slower USB transfer to, to happen without an issue. So you're not dropping frames. This helps eliminate, um, amp glow or to reduce amp glow because you're, you're, you have the, the image data in a, in memory and the computer can take its time bringing it down. So that's where the memory buffer really, really helps. Wow, I so I understood the transfer rate and not dropping frames and the speed of you know transferring the image from that's recorded to your to your computer, but I didn't even think about the amp glow issue. It actually helps with that, eh? It does help with it, yeah. So um, that's that's a big thing with the memory um, on board the uh, the cameras is to help with mainly people that have a USB two hub or USB two only USB two ports on their computer. That's yep. where the the real benefit is with um uh uh the memory on right. on the camera um and, and again like so this is nothing new is that they put more on it nowadays memory is cheap right like i remember back in my old computer days oh, where a mega memory was, was 50 bucks right don't get them started yeah <laughs> those were the the five and a quarter inch floppy days well, i was gonna say i how did i know floppy disks was coming out next oh i go beyond that i used to record my stuff onto tape you, you know what it's fun even though there's a bit of, a, of an age gap i know all of this stuff because my dad was right into it and he uh he showed me everything i remember when cd burners were new and all that and oh yeah 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 my computer city days where a 15 inch lcd monitor was seven thousand dollars 15 inch and it was nice it was good and thick too it was good and, and thick heavy. and it looked absolutely terrible yeah not people like had four, to buy it Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My my first HD TV was 480p. Now that's high def. That's high def. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So and then I I I'm excited about the QHY camera you told me about. It's full yeah, frame. Yeah. So let's talk about the QHY camera in a minute. I just want to talk about the uh, the ZWO. You sorry, know, ZWO. Sorry, yeah. 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 It's fine. It's okay. We'll let it slide. Right. Um. So the 1600 is is an excellent deep sky camera and it mono in color um, mono having a filter wheel would would help greatly um, color you just have to know how to process color images and you know just watch Trevor's YouTube videos and it's a snap it's easy um, the uh, you know other than the 1600 there's the 183 sensor from ZWO as well in a cooled and non-cooled version uh, and this is active cooling so you can bring it down 40 degrees below ambient um, the, there's the larger chips like the um, 071 is now in a pro model as well and there was a lot of improvements made on that camera being a pro a pro model um, right and then there's a smaller 
chips as well. They're the more planetary, like the 385 and the 174. But they're excellent for solar when when they're cooled, right? Uh, help keep the uh, oh sure the, the camera just cold in general, right? For solar, mm. so mm-hmm. um, you know, wide range of of chips from uh, in, in ZWO cameras and QHY. And what you can there, there's there's some calculations out there um, on, to help determine the best chip based on the pixel size and the overall size of the chip for your specific optics. That's um, right. Uh, you know, sometimes having really small pixels, like in the 183, is mm-hmm. good. You get that really high resolution. That 183 yep. sensors, 20 megapixels. That's a lot of resolution in a small in a small chip. Um, mm-hmm. So it has a lot of benefits. The sixteen hundred is a larger pixel, um, but one micron larger, and uh, but it's a bigger chip. It's a four thirds chip, which is a, a a very common chip size. Um, right. And then uh, the one you have, Trevor, right now, the two ninety four. That's um, a four thirds, right? That's four thirds. That's eleven megapixels, and again, that's even bigger pixels, um, and. You know, it'll even collect more light, right? So you get increased sensitivity, brighter uh, images, uh, and it's backside illuminated, so it's almost like the trifecta. Right. Um, but you know, you have to you have to pair your, regardless of the manufacturer, you have to pair the camera to your optics accordingly, or else you're not going to get the results that you would hope. You might not get the field of view that you want either. And then some programs like uh, Stellarium, I use Stellarium quite frequently for this. You can punch in all the information about your sensor and your telescope and if you're using a reducer or a Barlow and yep. it'll tell you it will show you actually what your object will look like, how much of the object you'll get within the sensor, if it's gonna be really small or just right, or if the sensor is gonna to be too small for the object, maybe you can do some mosaic paneling. There's uh Yeah, that's great information yeah. to know going in before you decide to choose a camera, right? Because if you're, you know, you're envisioning taking um, photos of certain objects and it's going to be uh, just not a great match for the for your sensor size, then it's worth thinking about. Right. Uh, so what what tool do you use um, for calculating that that field of view? Is it just Stellarium, or do you use something else like an online tool? I use Stellarium. There's another program that um, I uh, downloaded called CC Calc, uh, New Astronomy Press CCD Calculator. Okay. And it has a whole bunch of information in there that you can plug in. There's a lot of telescopes already that uh, exist in the, its uh, drop-down menu and right. cameras, but you can add your own, right? Because the tool's been around for a while. I don't think it's been updated. Um, CCD Calc? Yeah. I, I've definitely heard of that. That's great information. It's, it's put up uh, by a gentleman named Ron uh, Wadaski. So okay. Ron created this. I'm not sure where he is, but Ron, thank you. Um, and uh, if anyone knows Ron, please extend my thanks to him. But it's really <laughs> nice because it you, you plug in this basic information and there is a list of targets that are here, um, like actual pictures, and it will show you what it will look like for that particular target um, for the for framing. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll tell you what your image scale is, um, what your how big your field of view is in arc minutes. Um, so that you know, there's a lot of uh, good information, and it's just it it's a good thing to um, to do prior to going out and starting to 
to image, so you have an idea what what it is you're going to be able to to see. Two more references I'll drop. Um, I remember there was a good video on YouTube from ATIC Cameras. The owner, he talks about um, pixel scale and uh, field of view and image size. Uh, And then also uh, Richard Wright also has an article on Sky and Telescope that was really useful on uh, pixel scale that I remember. So yes, uh, those are two more resources to check out on the subject because it was uh, it was new to me because I didn't uh, deal with it a whole lot with the DSLR, but I, I certainly did when I started to use different cameras with different scopes. Yeah. There must be somebody at my door because my dog is barking. I heard him. Yeah. Which I'm surprised that he even heard because I think he's going deaf. He's 15. So, oh well. God love him. Yep, Absolutely. Um, okay, you mentioned QHY, so yeah, there's uh, we're talking about sensor sizes, and we're gonna really kind of jump up a bit. Um, so QHY and ZWO, but um, well, almost all the manufacturers. Uh, this particular camera, the 128C, is a 24 megapixel full frame camera. This thing is a monster, and uh, um, that's I, a big sensor. Trevor, I looked at it. Uh, big sensor, uh, big pixels, 5.97 micron. Um, uh, it, it is it is massive. Um, I just sat there and looked at it for for a while. And yeah, it's it's a 30, 35 millimeter uh, sensor, right? Like the it old is. film yep. cameras used to have. Yeah, this is the same sensor that's in the Nikon D six hundred. Right. It it's. Uh, uh, very low noise. Um, uh, it it's just a fantastic, fantastic uh, sensor. Great camera. Uh, you know, QHY uh, saying is zero amp glow. Uh, no matter how long the exposure, with wow. a lot of their amp glow reduction technology that they've built into it. That's um, a bold statement. Yeah, it is zero uh, amp glow. Well, we're gonna find out because uh, <laughs> uh, Trevor, you're gonna put this this camera through its paces. Yes. And and uh, we'll see what we can what we get out of it. Uh, but it's a very nice camera. Uh, it's huge. Um, it's uh, a big boy. Yep, it's a big camera. And uh, it's so it's color and it's uh, it's cooled as well. So it's uh, I'm guessing it goes what 30, 40 degrees below ambient. Uh, I'm just looking at the specs right now, and it goes. It doesn't say. It probably does say. I'm just not seeing it. Right. 35 degrees below ambient. There you go. Now that's an exciting um, product right there. To go a sensor that big, uh, color, cooled, no amp glow. Yep. Uh, I'm getting excited thinking about that. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool camera. Um, and it has a bigger brother, the uh, uh, QHY 367 which is a full-frame camera as well uh, at 36 megapixels. And that's the same sensor that's used on the um, Nikon uh, 810. Okay. Right. Um, ZWO have the same cameras uh, with the same sensors uh, as well. Um, and then, you know, we start talking full-frame. Uh, other options, you start looking into uh, CCD, right? Companies like Starlight Express... Uh, SBIG, right, um, which is now a Canadian company. Uh, Attic, uh, FLI. I think FLI has a 51 megapixel camera. 
Holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, uh, again, they all have uh, their full frame uh, version as well, but th- those would be main- those companies are uh, famous for CCD, um, which is a whole other realm of of astronomy cameras, um, different technology. But the the uh, what you get out of a CCD camera is just absolutely amazing. But it's just a different way of of uh, of thinking. Sometimes I, I know calibration frames are very important. Yeah, with CCD. Well, they're very okay. important in general, um, but you need to really uh, pay attention to uh, to that with uh, with CCD. Mm-hmm. So the uh, those are those are options um, as well, and and that they vary in, with CCD. You know, not just full frame; but they vary in size. You know, right down from the smaller guider cameras, like I have the. Uh, S big STI, which is a guide camera and planetary camera, and what's nice about it, it has a mechanical shutter built into it. Um, most CCD cameras, I think, will have that mechanical shutter built into it, which, which you know you don't need to do anything special for dark. So you just close the shutter and take a dark. That um, is handy, right? Do the same thing with a bias frame. The uh, and then they go all the way up to the so that small little chip, all the way up to a full frame and beyond. Um, Research grade cameras are typically CCD just because of their size, um, and a lot of CCD cameras too. They can bring them down even colder. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they have a minus fifty ambient with their camera. Wow! Uh, but I think again, you guys start getting into research grade type type. Um, a lot of the CCDs, like from SPEG, off the shelf, you could do research work with it. Wow, right. So That's some high quality astro imaging. It is, um, and they're made in Canada. So hey, that's a bonus. Bonus for me, anyways. For us. For us. Sorry. Yes. Um. So that yeah, you know, that's I, a good I, overview, I think, of cameras. Uh, for sure. There's, I mean, you. There's so much to talk about, but I think we've kind of covered from beginning to end a few of the options out there. Yeah. Um, as for what. I'm still using the 294 from uh, the ASI and loving it, the color-cooled camera, and then um, the DSLR sometimes as well. And uh, so the, it sounds like the QHY is coming soon. Steve, you're shooting with the 1600 Mono Pro, and you've been taking some amazing images with that. Actually, you've been doing a lot of narrowband stuff yep. because uh, you're in the city too. And uh, some of the shots, what you've been getting, you've obviously got your equipment running really nicely these days. Um, so I'm sure you're excited about that, except for last night, (laughs) except for last night. Oh, you'll never, you'll never go like, you know, four imaging sessions in a row without a problem. Oh, and now you just jinxed it. Oh, and I'm coming up to Starfest. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Oh yeah. You're going to have some major (laughs) issues, buddy. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to be swearing your name middle of the night. Whatever helps. Okay. (laughs) Makes me feel better that I can do it now that you approved it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, yeah, you know, there's been some great pictures. I wanted to mention our Facebook page. Uh, people have been posting images on the Facebook page again. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, they, they've been really, really good. A lot of your messages have been coming through um, through the Facebook page. Uh, thanks again. Uh, we love seeing it. Um, and, uh, you know, keep it up. Uh, keep posting those images for, for everyone to see. Uh, 
we really really want uh, to encourage everybody to get out there take images you know even if you're doing it with your cell phone cell phone cameras now are just awesome uh, amazing you can do some really good um, astrophotography with just a cell phone so if uh, uh, some of these cameras are not within your price range right now that's fine don't be discouraged uh, pick up your camera uh, whatever you've got point it up and and start taking pictures uh, you can, absolutely you can even point and shoot cameras can do some amazing work um, that's you know, the best way to go just get into it and start sharing your photos and get the discussion going because you'll get so much advice and help along the way from from everybody because we're all encouragement an encouragement yeah yep. and that's really big for this hobby sometimes you, you know that goes a long way yep uh, it's a great community that we uh, that we have uh, just in general with astrophotography I think mm -hmm. and uh, Everybody starts somewhere, so uh, just get up and get get up, get out there, and click away. Yeah, in in the future, I think it might be. I can I can see it, and I'm sure you will too, Steve. Is that we have um, we'll probably have a forum for the um, for as well as the Facebook page for the Astro Backyard Podcast. It would kind of be nice to have our own uh, community there where we um, where we interact and we get some questions answered and. So that's just something to look forward to in the future is, is, a, is a forum for, for all our community. That sounds like a great idea. I thought, after that bit of a pause, I thought you were going to say, we got to cut that part out. We can't do that. I think I'm going to. <laughs> How much more jobs do you think I need to have? No, it, oh, oh. no we'll keep there, it. There's a lot of benefits to a forum, but yeah. it's also, yeah, it could be a lot of work too. Oh, I, I like forums. Uh, because they can be very uh, specific. Um, you can organize the information nicely. Um, it's a great and, resource. And, and it is a great resource. It's a good archive um, to have and, you know, helps foster uh, uh, a nice community. It's it's a searchable archive. And so I, I, like, I, I like forums with a star beside it, certain forums. But I like the idea of having our own forum, <laughs> I think, more so than forums in general. We'll cut this out. We'll talk after the call. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, that sounds okay. good. That sounds good. I'm really, I'm really all for it. Um, we can, uh, yeah. No, I, I like that idea actually. So, if anyone has any experience with forums, hit us up on the Facebook page. Just a warning: this may not happen, but we'll 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 work out the the details. Cool. So, I think that's gonna do it, Steve. I think so. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, really sorry about the uh, the huge delay. Um, of course, we know that we have um, some real loyal listeners, and we really appreciate that. So, um, thanks so much for listening. We'll definitely keep keep going with more episodes, and I think we'll we'll get back to a more um, predictable schedule. Uh, now we've kind of. Um, learn from our experience that we've just had of this hiatus and I don't think either of us enjoyed it so no. um, we'll try to get back to some more regular content yeah well the skies have been really good too so that's the ultimate excuse it's like sorry we were doing astrophotography yep. we couldn't I, record I, I think that's reasonable that's might be the only acceptable excuse for this audience yeah I agree we should run a poll on the Facebook group uh, acceptable excuses and see what we get <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that any are going to stand up um, other than that one. <laughs> so, 
Okay. Everyone's busy. All right, everybody. Okay. We'll keep Thanks for listening, up. everyone. <laughs> keep looking up. Keep looking into the sky.